Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Um, We've been away for about two weeks working on the shop, and that's why we haven't been able to put out a podcast. It's just been too busy, and frankly, this place has been too dusty with all the sanding we've been doing to get one out without coughing 87 times during the podcast. So we delayed it a little bit, but we're back on track, and the shop is almost done. Um, So we're going to get back to things as normal, hopefully, and looks like... New York as a state will be reopening soon, we hope. So for those of you who are listening, we hope you're all safe out there and hope you're practicing at home, um, trying to keep up, up up with your skills. Of course, soon we'll be able to do some coaching again and help you all out with whatever you need. Anyway, this week's topic is pretty, uh, pretty simple. It's about kids and archery and not just kids. It also has to do with um, adults and new beginners with archery. So a lot of people ask me, you know, because they see how young some of my, some of my uh, students are. I have students going all the way down to four years young and students going as old as their late seventies. So it's a wide range, but the idea is once you get them started, retention can be a problem with any sport. How do you keep them interested? How do you keep them going? And I've discussed this in other podcasts, like you have to make it interesting for them. You have to make them want to do it. And when they bring me new kids to coach, the one rule I have is after I teach them how to shoot initially, it has to be something that the student wants to do on their own. If they don't want to do it, you can't force them to want to do this. So we have a lot of parents, you know, the fathers uh, or the mothers for that fact are hunters and they want the children to get involved the same way. And they think that, well, because I do it automatically, my kid's going to want to do it. And that's not always the case. And it doesn't have to do with so much that the kid doesn't want to do it. It has to do with they don't find it fun. In this era of video games and uh, TV and the internet, uh, you're listening to this on the internet, of course. Kids have a very, very limited time, you know, that they can put to something without being distracted. Unless you make it so fun for them or keep it changing so much that like they can't wait till their next lesson or the next time they go out to the field to shoot, that sort of thing. So this podcast is all about how to keep new people, whether they're young or old, involved in the sport. Now, that all has to do with a lot of how they start in the first place. So if you walk into an, you know, an archery shop, let's just say, and you bring your, your child or a friend there for the very first time and they're looking to get some new equipment and get them set up. They've never touched a bow before or they've seen their friend shoot before, but they don't know if it's for them. It, you can outfit them with the least expensive bow. You can outfit them with the most expensive bow. But the, the will to do something and the want to do something has to be there With kids especially, if you teach them how to do it, okay, there's that learning curve. And then they have to decide for themselves. So how do you keep them going there? I have a very simple rule with this. The first couple times I'm teaching a student, it's about how to shoot safely. That is above and beyond everything. It is the most important. You have to show them how to do it safely. Archery. I don't care who you talk to, and you'll get some differing opinions on this, but no matter what, it has to be supervised with children, okay? It's not something where 
hey, we came to the field, you go sit on a bench, read a book while they're shooting. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a family thing. Or at the very least, if the entire family is not doing it, it should be supervised to make sure that it's safe. And some people will tell me, well, my kid's always going to do it safe. I'm not worried about that. Sometimes they don't realize what they're doing could be dangerous or they're doing something wrong. And in the end, if they get hurt doing something or they get scolded for doing something that put others in danger, that's going to make them shy away from ever doing it again. So it actually has to do with keeping them involved. You've got to stay with them. You've got to be a part of it, you know, with them as well. And that, that's why I tell people, you know, we're not, we're not babysitters. Um, we're, we're here to help. As a coach, I'm with them. I'm instructing them. When you're shooting with them at the park, you better be with them. So that, that's what I'm talking about with this. It's very important that that you get them together with you and do it as a group, as a family involvement, or at the very least, so they know that when they're shooting that you're with them, okay? Now, we go to how to keep them going. So once you've already taught them how to shoot or they've, they've come for coaching to learn how to shoot, what keeps them interested? Now, I find the best way to keep kids interested is to keep it ever-changing, Um when they're first learning how to shoot, they're shooting at a target, and that target is a paper target with a with a dot on it or a circle on it. And that, for the first couple lessons, can be okay. Some kids will automatically, if they have that competitive vibe in them, they, they'll, that's all they want to do. They just want to shoot until they hit the X and they're good at it. The other thing is that if you force them to go too much or you're too hard on them because all of a sudden, you know, they're they're not hitting the X or they're all the way around or they're not progressing at the rate that you, and I kind of put this in quotes, you think they should be going at, then they start to hear a lot of criticism and they get discouraged and all of a sudden it becomes more of a chore than fun. So every student, you know, they they do progress at their own rate and speed. And you have to understand that. That being said, sometimes they need to learn in a different way. So I have some kids that start, and I'll give them the basics on form, stance, that sort of thing, and they'll pick it up right away. Other ones need a different interpretation of how to do that. Again, that's in the learning phase. But now they've learned some basic stuff. Most important thing is let them go out there and just shoot their bow. Let them go and do their thing. Okay, Some will want to do that. Some, you know, some will need a little bit of encouragement and do that to make it more fun. So, like I said before, you have video games. That's what all these kids are into now. Gone are the days when they go out to Little League and play in the parks. That's fewer and fewer now. So, if you make it interesting for them, different for them, they're going to want to keep doing it. What I do, if you come to my shop, when I'm working with kids on, in the indoor range over here, um, I have these 2D targets which are basically targets that go pin, they're a little thicker than regular targets, and they go pinned on on our big target butts. And I have a turkey, I have a T-Rex, I have other types of targets, I have a zombie, you know, and they all still have target markers on them for where they're supposed to hit it, but it makes it more fun. I mean, the first time I broke out a zombie for one of the kids, they're like, what is that? I'm like, well, you're not just shooting paper anymore. Now at the end of every session, 
you shot your 60, 70 shots for the hour, whatever you're doing, that last 20 minutes, you'll probably be shooting um, the zombie in. They can't wait to do that. And, you know, some of my kids, especially the girls, they, they, uh, they're, they're kind of not crazy about the zombie. They're like, it's kind of scary or, no, it's not fun. But the minute I take out a deer target, they're like, hey, I want to shoot that. And that was kind of the most interesting thing that ever, that ever happened. So one of my newer students, she says, I want to shoot that over there. And she pointed at one of my 3D turkeys. So I took that out and she's shooting at it and she loves it. And then two weeks later, she asked me, she says, um, do I get to shoot at the deer today? And she wanted to shoot at the deer. And I have a full-size 3D deer. I just stuck it right out there and at 15 yards. And I had to show her where to aim at it. Now, mind you, she had no intention of learning how to hunt. But she's like, is this another game? I said, yeah, actually, 3D archery is another game. Besides paper targets, we shoot at 3D animals. And at our range that we have in, in New Jersey, um, we have a large assortment of 3D animals. And now we just got a Bigfoot. Fortunately, that range is closed, so no one's gotten to shoot at the Bigfoot yet. Um, we're waiting for that state to reopen, and then I'll be able to take them down there and they can shoot at that. But some people are unaware that 3D archery is another game altogether, and some kids really take to it. For the most part, my girls are target shooters, so they, they shoot at the 50-meter targets. Um, they shoot a 20-yard 20, 20 indoor, and a lot of them gravitated towards the 3D for something different. Some of them competitively shoot 3D. But I find, like I said, if you come up with something that they love or that they like to do, they're always going to do it. For the younger kids, it's even simpler than that. In my case that I take to the range with me, and anyone who knows me, when they see me down at the range, I have a big toolbox that, that I carry with me. I have some repair tools in there, serving, that sort of thing. But the other thing I keep in there besides extra releases and all kinds of other stuff, I keep balloons in there. So for my younger kids who are who are learning with us, I have balloons. And I'll set that I'm talking about four and five year olds, and actually some of the adults too, they 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 get a kick out of it and they like to do it because it makes it different. And I'll just blow up a little water balloon. You get them at the 99 cent store, 99 cent store for a pack of 50 for a buck or two. Blow up, a, blow up a couple balloons, pin them to the target, and let them try to shoot that. And the first time they hit one, they're like, I want to do that again. And I've seen this reaction in four-year-olds, five-year-olds, you name it. And they don't have to be shooting out 20, 30 yards. They have fun doing it at five yards, just trying to do it. And then they, before they realize it, I'm moving that target further and further back. One of my best young shooters, Kayla, when I started teaching her, she was six years old. She's been with me for three and a half years. And she shoots with us in a range in Jersey. And when I first started with her, you know, I put that target at two yards. And she was shooting big, big balloons. Well, fast forward three years, and now she's hitting the same balloons. But they're blown up to about, uh, say, the size of a lemon. But she's doing it at 40 and 50 yards. So you can use that to sharpen their skills. But either way, they find it fun. They, they find it invigorating. They're like, I want to do this more. And when you see that they're starting to be like, oh, we're going to do the same thing again, then you've got to be able to change it up. 
And when you change it up, you keep them interested. Adults are exactly the same way. Like I said, you have the balloons. You have 3D. Now, everyone, this is especially true when I go to uh, Willowbrook Park. I see a lot of this. Guys bring their own 3D targets. It will shock you if you ever take a look and realize that those 3D targets are always broadsided somebody. And I'm like, okay, that's going to get boring. Because guess what? A broadside 3D target? That's just another target with a dot on it. You're trying to hit a ring. You're trying to hit something out there. You shoot that thing day in, day out, week after week. It gets boring. And one of the things I teach in my continuing education program for bow hunters, which is something that I'll be doing another another one of uh, in about another month or two, I try to do them right before bow season because, frankly, what we teach in the bow hunter safety class, there's a lot. We teach safety, but we don't teach actually how to shoot and how to shoot at angles. So one of the things I do is I say, okay, can you hit the same target when I turn it at a quartering away 45? When it's looking right at you, when it's quartering towards you. I mean, that all changes the angle. And then that goes into, well, I want to be able to shoot it. Well, here's how you're doing it. And it increases the difficulty, but at the same time, it becomes more fun. Also, you're going to find that there are some people who can't shoot with pin sights. They have flinching. They have target panic. The ugly word, it's the cancer no one should ever talk about. Um... And target panic is real. And for those who shoot and have issues with that, there's a site called an EZV. I've worked with it for about two years, two and a half years, teaching people how to do it. I have one one customer who just got one from me not too long ago. Well, he 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 purchased it. I told him where to order it from. Um, I don't stock them. I may be doing that soon. But I, I told him, I said, here, go order this thing. Try it. And I taught him how to shoot with it. And it makes a world of difference. Now they don't they don't flinch. Now the easy V site is not a cure-all. But what it is, it's a different way to keep someone going in it. So sometimes they hit a roadblock. They can only progress so far with what you're doing. You change it up. That may be the one thing that clicks. And all of a sudden they're ready to go. So he's enjoying that one. It's helped a lot of people that I know. Is the easy V site for me? No. It's not my type of site. Can I shoot with one? If I teach it, you better be sure I can shoot with it. And the answer to that question is yes. I know how to shoot with one. Um, it's a good system. It's built on a reliable military sighting system. How do you do it? It takes some understanding on how to actually focus and aim with it. But once you learn it, it's great. And you'll find people on both sides of the line oh, it's nonsense, oh, it's unreliable. It's your own interpretation of how it works. Properly trained in how to use it, it's an effective tool. So, again, it has to do with keeping people interested. If they hit a wall, you got it. It's the same thing. It's not just about keeping them interested, it's keeping them going, okay? And then a lot of people don't realize that, you know, compound archery, which is the majority, I'd say 95% of the people I teach are shooting compound, is more geared towards the instant gratification people. In other words, you can learn how to shoot a compound bow way faster than you can a recurve, in most cases. Um, 
but because it has a sight on it and there's a mechanical method to how you do it, it's relatively easy to learn once you have good form. The recurve, on the other hand, doesn't have let off, so you're pulling back a lot of weight, or you're holding all the weight, should I say, because there's no let off on the bow. It's not a mechanically advantaged system, and it's a little harder. But you'll find that there are tons of people who shoot recurves, traditional recurves, Olympic Olympic type recurves, who hunt with advanced recurves, which are metal and really, really fast. They call super curves, regular recurves. I've shot recurve for, I don't know, traditional recurves. I've shot them for about 29 years. I've had a recurve. I have one of the original Samic Sages sitting in my closet. Um, I take it out occasionally. I have a new bow that just got to me from Big Jim's Bow Company that they made for me. You know, I know how to shoot recurve. Why am I telling you about a recurve? Because a recurve sometimes, you have people who get into it who just want to do it for relaxation and recreation. And given the basics on how to shoot it, they can learn at their own pace. It's fun. There's no real moving parts to it. There's nothing to maintain. I teach them how to check out a brace height. I teach them how to make sure their limbs are aligned if it's a multi-piece bow. How to string the bow. How to unstring the bow. Here's where you put the arrow on the shelf. Basic aiming. Do it. And they do that for relaxation. They do that for freedom. Young, young kids, I'll start them out with a recurve. Most adults, when I first start teaching them, believe it or not, unless they have like some need to learn really, really fast, they want to learn with a recurve. Uh, they, should I say they want to learn with a compound? But I start them with a, re a recurve. Why? The recurve is the true determination of form. You'll see what your form is really about when you try to shoot a recurve. You can get away with cheating on a compound, but a recurve is going to be really thrown out in your face. So once I teach them how to do that, which they find you know difficult at best, and then the following week I switch them to a compound, like, wait a minute, now this all makes sense. This is easy. But the recurve, some people continue shooting them. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who, like, who think that anyone who shoots a compound, you know, you're cheating, especially if you're hunting with a compound. There's people who think that anyone who shoots a recurve when they're hunting, like, what are you, Stone Age? It's whatever floats your boat. If you like recurve, fine. If you like compound, fine. I like both. If your thing is crossbows, go for it. It gets you out there. Who cares? Okay? And believe it or not, you have to learn how to shoot a crossbow. It's not just open up the box and look through the scope. It doesn't work that way. So, again, with everything, keep it fun. So... Not too many people have ever seen me down at the range with a recurve bow. Why? Because 95 to 98% of the time that you see me at the range, I'm not there for me. I might squeeze in a few, few rounds of my own. You know, I'll bring a target out there and I might throw it at 60, 70 yards, get off a few shots on myself. But most of the, most of the time I'm out there... Working with, working with friends, working with customers, and teaching students. And in doing that, I don't get a lot of time for myself. When you see me out there with a recurve, which I think more of you will see me out there with a recurve soon, um, it's because I'm out there just for me. Of course, if someone has a problem, I'm not going to turn them away. I will put down the recurve, albeit with the particular one I have now. It'll be locked away somewhere safe because that thing is gorgeous. I don't want anything to happen to it. Um, and help them. 
but I'm there for relaxation with the recurve. I can shoot at my shop with the recurve, that sort of thing. It's relaxing. You know, some people fish because why? It's relaxing for them. They find it entertaining. Again, it's whatever keeps you in it. So with the kids, with the adults, you have to find ways of keeping them interested. Like I said, archery is made up of a bunch of different games. You have target, you have 3D, you have field. Most people have never even heard of what field archery is. Unless you're really, really into archery in the competition side, most people don't even know what field is. And field is, you have different targets. You have animal targets that are on paper instead of being in 3D. They're all different ranges. In 3D, you have marked, you have unmarked. Uh, as far as ranges, learning how to judge distances is a whole game unto itself. So some people appreciate the challenge of that. And the other thing you can do is if you go upstate and you're going on private property, even state land, with one caveat, it cannot be hunting season. Just listen to me. If you go on, on state land, it's permitted for you to go on state land or you're on your own property, it's not the hunting season. People practice, especially, it's more common with recurves these days. It was common with compounds back in the day. But they practice with their bows and they'll walk through the woods and they'll pick out targets for each other. Like when I do, I'm like, oh, tell my buddy, try to hit that stump over there. Without ranging, he can, he can do it or he can range it, whatever he wants. And our arrows will have rubber blunts on them. And what that does is it allows him to hit and bounce off without destroying or damaging an arrow. I don't suggest doing it if you're shooting a really high power bow with a really light arrow because that arrow will just disintegrate. For the most part, you can do that. Just pick out targets. It makes you sharper. It prepares you for the bow season. You're, you're shooting at unknown distances or known distances. The idea is that you're not shooting at the same exact thing. Shooting at the same target all the time can get stale. And there's one other thing that people don't understand. When you shoot at a target, the same one every single time, if you're applying it to hunting situations... You're shooting at static distances when you're practicing. So you're setting it at, say, 20 yards. Mm, okay. If the deer walks in at 26 yards, are you going to say, excuse me, Mr. Deer, can you come a little closer? I shoot 20. Uh, or if he walks in at 7 yards and you shoot at 10 and 20, uh, am I going to wait for him to walk out to 10? No. The stump shooting helps you prepare for that. When you're on the range... Move your target at varying distances. Most people will know that even at Willowbrook, where we have our distances judged out, you know, marked out by, by these poles. And by the way, if you're ever there, you should really kind of look at the pole, make sure you're lined up between the other ones because you can be diagonal and be completely off. But that's another subject altogether. I don't even get into that. But you go out there, you see me shoot out there. I'll just wheel my target out there, drop it, walk back. Some people are like, hey, you, you didn't put it by one of the poles. I'm like, yeah, why? Set it at 23 instead of 20. Set it at 17 instead of 20. Set it at 57 instead of 50 or 60. Try to get it in between because you're never going to have that static shot in a real world situation. So that alone can keep you going. Here's one other thing that people don't understand and that when I explain it to them, they're like, huh, well, that's different. And then when I tell them to do this, like shooting at 3D, and they wonder why, like, 
that encourages them and makes them want to learn more about doing it. And sometimes that relights the flame of interest. So you might have someone shooting at a, like I said, they go into their trunk, pop out the same target every weekend, put it out there and shoot at it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and then people wonder why I shoot at a target that's very upright uh, or one that I hang at shoulder level. And I'm like, well, if you're sighting in, okay, this is a little bit of a fact and a tip if you want to hear it. When you're sighting in, you're sighting in at shoulder distance because you're shooting at a straight line. I never, ever suggest shooting at a target on the ground for pin sighting purposes. Here's why. When you shoot straight, okay, straight at the target, there is there is no, no thing in there except for body form. Now, when you drop that, that thing down, your distance to the target changes ever so slightly, but the degree and the angle will change more and more the closer or the further that you move it out. So all of a sudden, when you get people who are shooting at a shoulder distance target, and now they shoot at something on the ground, they know how to calculate the distance, how much to take off or add to that target if they're shooting uphill or downhill. Because the fact is, we're not out west. We're, for the most part, not shooting on flat ground. You might be shooting downhill, uphill on little bumps, that sort of thing. So you want to, in your sighting, make it as, you make your sighting generic and then apply angles when you're shooting. Also, given that, the same people who shoot at a target that's on the ground would be very surprised to find out that if they move them and had them shoot at my shoulder distance, shoulder height target, they're shooting pretty low on it. Or sometimes they go way above it. So it has to do with the position of the target. Learning just about that and how, how to shoot at different angles is a whole world of, of new stuff to people. And sometimes that keeps them going. Also, how many hunters out there do you see week before opening day on the range, beautiful place, and 50 guys out there on a Sunday afternoon all banging away at their targets? The next day, save it's opening day, where are they shooting from? They're shooting from tree stands. Yeah, they don't realize that if your form isn't correct when you're shooting from a tree stand, and if you don't know how to calculate the distance properly shooting from a tree stand, you're going to miss. So again, you have to find ways to practice that. We're going to try to develop... Um, for the new Staten Island Archery Association, something I'm going to try to do is get some of the guys together and we're going to put together a portable platform that we can use at the park that'll at least elevate you maybe five or six feet so you can shoot down to simulate that experience for you. Again, it's one of those things that keeps you constantly learning. One of the things I always tell people is, even doing this for as many years as I have been doing it, you have to accept the fact that you're constantly learning. If you shut off the will or the openness of learning, there's no point to it because you learn something every day. In my world for tuning, I may pick up something completely by mistake from somebody. They didn't realize what they were doing, but it works. Or someone who's new to it like may have a different way of doing th something, which is more efficient. So you have to be able to bend and learn with that. 
But getting back to the original topic of this podcast, it's all about keeping people interested. So for a seasoned hunter, it might be teaching them how to shoot at a 3D target because they realize they're going to increase their efficiency, how to shoot different angles. For a kid, it's giving them something to do different every time. For my target students, it's about at the end of your regular target session, because remember, they're, they're training for competition. I'd say about 80% of my students train for competition. The other ones train, so they're learning the art. Um, but I give them a carrot at the end of, at the end of their, their classes. So like they look forward to shooting at the zombie. They look forward to shooting at the deer. They look forward to shooting at the turkey. They look forward to shooting at all three. I make a little 3D range inside my shop. And you'd be surprised what kind of fun they have with that. Youngsters, adults, shoot at balloons. And if you really want to make it interesting indoors, there's ways to set up a golf ball on an upside down reverse flow vacuum cleaner and let the golf ball float on it. Try to hit the golf ball. A lot of different things you can do. So keep it interesting. Keep it going. Keep it different. And especially with youngsters, look to see if they're ever, you know, if they're ever losing interest. And the one thing I do is I'll ask them, hey, you still, is there something wrong? Are you not like into it? Like, oh, it's the same thing every day. Okay, fine. Let's change it up. You know what I mean? Uh, just kick it up a notch for them. I know that's an old and well-used phrase, but whatever. Do something different. Keep them going, no matter what the age of the person is. Sometimes getting one of your friends into this, they may not like it, but if they see something that they like, they're going to want to do it more. And like I said, that applies to kids and adults equally. Well, that's all for today's podcast. It's a very short one. It's not very detailed. It was more about how to keep people in this sport. If you don't keep them in this sport, the sport will not exist for generations to come. So... Until our next podcast, uh, stay safe, shoot straight, and we'll see you again.